Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome to Checking Out the Competitions, Toronto Maple Leafs edition. This time we are joined by um, a Leafs blogger that you might know of. His name is Sean McIndoe. You might know him as Down Grows Brown. He's also the author of the new book, The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL, the world's most beautiful sport, the world's most ridiculous league. That sounds right. It is ridiculous, so we'll go with it. You'll want to check out that book if you haven't yet. There oh, there it is. She's right. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. All right, so let's just get right into the questions here. Um, I want to start off with your goaltender because you have a good one, and we have forgotten what that is like in Philadelphia. Um, Freddie Anderson's off to a pretty good start for you guys. Um, is there any worry that he might drop off at some point or that Babcock, Babcock might run him too long and he'll get a little worn out? Uh, yeah, there should be. Uh, he Frederick Anderson, is he's been great the first month. Uh, Frederick Anderson is also a guy who, if you look at his numbers over his career, he's been pretty consistent year in and year out. Even though he, he always seems to start slow, then he heats up, he has, he's, he's streaky like most goalies are. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, the numbers end up being pretty consistent, and he's, he's well above that right now. So either uh, he has suddenly, in his late 20s, become a different type of goalie, or he's just riding a hot streak, and, and he's, he's going to come back to come back to normal a little bit, which is still, normal for him is still above average. He's, he's still a pretty good goalie. But uh, the, there is concern over his usage. Um, he, Babcock plays him a lot. Yeah. Mike Babcock played him a lot the last couple years when, when Babcock had a veteran backup that he trusted. Now he's got a rookie in Garrett Sparks that he doesn't seem completely sold on, so there's, there's a risk. I mean, Frederick Anderson could play 65 or 70 games. We were told Frederick Anderson spent a lot of time in the offseason uh, preparing for that in, in whatever that, that would look like, making sure that he was he was in shape and ready to handle it. But when you look at the last couple of Leaf seasons where Frederick Anderson's been pretty good, he's played a lot of games, and then in the playoffs, kind of so-so, uh, you know, I, I don't... There's a danger in reading too much into a couple of playoff series, Yeah. but when you see it happen after guys played a lot of games, you do kind of wonder, is he running into a wall? Especially if you're a team like the Leafs that is hoping to play for two more months in the playoffs. Uh, it, it would really be nice to see the workload come down a little bit. I'm just not sure it will, because every time Mike Babcock talks about Garrett Sparks, it's you, you sort of get the sense he doesn't fully trust this kid yet, and, uh, and that could lead to another 65, nearly 70-game season for Frederick Anderson. Do you, um, based on what you've seen, do you feel good about Sparks as a fan? You know, Garrett, Garrett Sparks is, he, he was real good last year. For people who aren't familiar with him, he was he was uh, among the very best goalies in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, he has shown at times, uh, he's looked like he can be, quite a good NHLer. He, he's kind of one of those guys who strikes you as a bit of a tweener, like maybe a guy who's a bit too good for the AHL, but isn't going to come into the NHL necessarily and be a starter. I know people who are a lot more technically knowledgeable about goaltending than I am still see some things in his game that they, they don't love. Uh, he's been okay. He's I mean, he's, I think, like a 905 or something so far this year. That's not bad. That's not fine for good. a backup. 
and and you know for a younger guy uh, it, where there's potentially some room to move up uh, and get a little better as you get experience, it's it's not bad. Um, but you know the the Leafs they did have that situation at the beginning of the year where they had two veterans, Calvin Card and, and Curtis Madeline. He lost them both on waivers in the same day. Suddenly it was it had to be the Garrett Spark show, uh, and that felt like a GM call, not necessarily a coaching call. So, uh, you know, the question for me isn't, can Garrett Sparks be a pretty good 900-905 backup goalie in the NHL? It's what happens when he gets his one game every two or three weeks and he has that bad game and suddenly Mike Babcock says, I don't, I don't trust this guy anymore. I'm just going to ride Frederick Anderson. Yeah, so uh, speaking of Cal, if you want me to drive him back up to Toronto... Happy to give him a ride. We're about we're about finished with him. Well, that's it. I mean, it's 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 been you know at least the guys that they lost haven't gone and, and looked like Vezina candidates. Nope. Although Chris Mahoney beat the Leafs this week, so you know that's uh, that probably didn't help. Yeah, I think he was probably the better one. It's a shame we couldn't have grabbed him, but eh, whatever. Um, so I'm sure you're probably tired of talking about this, but I just kind of want to know what you think is going to happen with William Nylander. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what I thought all along was that they were going to get him signed, uh, and I thought it would have happened weeks and weeks ago. So I'm I'm surprised that we're we're at this point. I mean, this is really almost unprecedented yeah. in the cap era. Kyle Turris is the only other guy who's gone this long, and Kyle Turris got traded a few weeks after. So if you if you're picturing if you, if you still think William Nylander fits in the long term future of the Leafs. This is literally unprecedented. There's never been a guy be out this long and then still be part of the team going forward. So um, the trade talk is definitely picking up. I still think they sign him, but at this point, I I no longer think it's going to be that eight-year deal that takes him through the prime of his career. I think at this point, you're looking at maybe a bridge deal that that is, is two or three years, and I think we have to begin to accept the possibility that maybe it just ends up being a one-year deal. Yeah. Maybe you sign the kid for one year, knowing we got to do it all again next year, knowing we're just kicking the can down the road, uh, but you do it because, you know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for William Nalander to sit out a whole year. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make up that money. I mean, you're, you're, that's six or seven million dollars you're leaving on the table. You're not going to be six or seven million dollars more valuable after a year off that you've just burned up to your prime so you know it doesn't make sense for him financially it doesn't make sense for the Leafs they're trying to win a cup right now it it, it just feels like this is something where maybe <clears throat> even with a couple of days to go they just say let's just pick a number let's just do one year and you know that, that creates a potential nightmare for the Leafs because they got to do Matthews and Marner next year anyways yeah. and they have to do Neil under two but that it, it just might be the best of a whole bunch of really bad options. So one of the things that we've kind of heard about down here um, is that Kasperi Kapanen kind of coming in real hot this season. Maybe that makes the front office feel like Nylander is a little bit less of a key piece. Do you, I mean, I, I personally would take, like, William Nylander every single day over Kasperi Kapanen, but I guess if you don't have a choice, it's like a nice... Do you feel like that's actually a thing, or...? I think what it what it has done is it has prevented a scenario that William Nylander and his and his representatives may have been hoping for, which is that he doesn't show up and the Leafs mm-hmm. struggle, and yeah. especially offensively, and they look thin up front. And having a, a kid like 
Kasper Kapanen, who was a real talented kid. You remember this? This guy was the main piece of the Phil Kessel deal. So mm-hmm. there have been expectations. There have been, you know, he's he's been a highly regarded prospect. Um, having him come in and suddenly clicking like he has uh, it takes some of that pressure off, and it takes a card out of the hand of William Nylander, where you know, for them to say you need him, you you can't score without this guy. The Leafs go, ah, you know, we're actually scoring just fine. Yeah. Um, Kasper Kapanen is on a hot streak right now. He's on a heater. This isn't. He's not going to shoot thirty percent his whole his whole season, his whole career. Uh, so he's going to come back to earth. He's not William Nylander. He doesn't have that kind of game. Uh, but it does uh, at least uh, take a bit of the pressure off. And in a market like Toronto, sometimes that pressure getting crazy, especially when you got a rookie GM, that can maybe tilt it in a certain direction. And it's it, having somebody jump in and have the kind of start that he's had has has at least prevented that from becoming a factor yeah I it always it never ceases to amaze me how insane the Toronto media is just because it's pretty insane in Philly um it's kind of calmed down a bit since the Flyers are boring and nobody cares about them but um yeah like I see some of these articles about Austin Matthews and stuff and I'm like guys why are you trying to run that kid out of town maybe maybe don't yeah but um another big name obviously for you guys John Tavares um he was always good in New York, but it seems like he's kind of found another gear with you guys. Do you think that's, you know, just being with a better organization, a better team, not having to be, like, the guy all the time like he was in New York? Do you think it's just, like, a, a lower-pressure situation for him? You know what? I, I, I don't know if it's ever lower pressure when you come to Toronto mm-hmm. just because of that, you know, some of the, some of those things you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, and especially when you come in on the big contract as the big free agent. But he's been really good. I mean, it's it sounds... Kind of crazy to say it about a guy who had as much hype and attention as he did uh, over the off season, but you know he's he's met or maybe even exceeded expectations. I mean he's he's real good, uh, and he's helped the Leafs not really miss a beat without yeah. Austin Matthews. And uh, and and you know we've seen when they had Matthews and Tavares and everyone else in the lineup. And they, I mean it was scary. They yeah. they were running two two top lines. I mean you can make a case that that their second line was one of the twelve best lines in the whole league. So that's uh, uh, kind of a nightmare for other teams. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to try to guess as to the, the psychology of, of, you know, why it's it's happening this way. He certainly comes across as a very low-key guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he might just be one of these guys that is just always level and, you know, it doesn't go, get too high or too low. And, and you know, I mean, I, I don't think I've seen a facial expression from him the whole time he's been in Toronto. Uh, but he's real good. He's really fun to watch. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I can't think of a kids uh who are who are maybe trending towards the direction of being stars in this league and here's a guy who has done it has been an mvp finalist and is still in his prime and still doing it you know they can kind of watch him how he carries himself and um it's it's been so far you know two months into a seven-year contract uh it's it's been pretty close to a perfect fit yeah i mean i can't really imagine it trending that far down after this anyway he's just so good like it's just this I think is what he is um but I wanted to talk about your defense a little bit since that is like kind of the one almost weak spot that the Leafs have you're gonna pick a weakness I guess it's the defense and 100 years ago when Jake Gardner was pretty much like a prospect and it seemed like Randy Carlisle hated him and Dave Nunes was you know like a potato GM um I always had a hope that maybe he would get put on the block, and the Flyers might somehow steal him from Toronto. Obviously, that didn't happen, and now you have a coach that actually plays him. 
Um, but this season, it seems to be he's off to a slow start. Do you have any worry about him, or do you think he'll come back? I mean, he's he's been okay. Uh, you know, Jake Gardner is always a guy, I, I can't remember where I read it, but I, somebody described him, I thought, pretty much perfectly. They said, Jake Gardner is a guy who does all the little things right, and then one big thing wrong. Mm. Pretty much every game, you know. So when, when you see something, you know, we remember the terrible game he had in Game 7 against the Bruins. Uh, you know, he is a guy who occasionally does seem to make mistakes, um, you know, and and some of that's just the nature of the game that he plays. I mean, he's he's not out there to be a low-event, low-risk guy. He, he, he has the talent to push a little bit further than that. Um, but, you know, he, he hasn't been great so far. In a way, if you're a Leafs fan, maybe that's a good thing because he's got to get signed. He's going to be a UFA at the yeah. end of the year, so you know, you, you, you maybe would like to see him slump a little bit. And if it's going to drive his number down, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him. They've got Travis Dermott, who's who's coming up, plays the same side, uh, could could probably use more ice time. He's looked really impressive. Um, you know, really, realistically, you know, the, the, all this talk about the Leafs' terrible blue line, uh, I think, has been somewhat exaggerated yeah uh they're they're not a great possession team they give up a lot of shots but you know it's they don't give up a lot of goals and that's not all frederick anderson and and even even going back to last year i I remember looking at it last year when we all agreed that the leafs were this terrible defensive team and couldn't protect leads and they weren't going to win in the playoffs because they were just so babcock had not been able to get them to play this defensive stuff the leafs had the third best goals allowed in the eastern conference last year they allowed fewer goals than the Capitals. Uh, they allowed fewer goals than the Lightning. You know, like I, I mean, they, it's, if if that's your weakness, it's not it's not bad. And you know, Morgan Riley's having a great year. Gardner can still turn it around. Dermott's been very good. It's it's really when you talk about the Leafs blue line, it's really only the left side of the blue line that's the weakness. That's where you got Ron Hainsey suddenly playing all these minutes and yeah. um, and all of that, and, and that's what they need is to add a guy like that. And you almost wonder at some point, especially if he doesn't fit in the long-term plans, if it becomes a situation where you trade Jake Gardner for whoever the left-handed Jake Gardner is. And, yeah. and you know, somebody preferably can get signed, but you can slot it in and, and balance out the pairings a little bit more. But, I mean, he's he's been fine. He's a guy that, like, you know, every team has the one guy that, like, everyone's dad gets mad at all the time. Like, when you're watching with your, your band, they're just, oh, damn, damn, Jake Gardner doesn't know... He's a better player than a lot of people give him yeah. credit for, um, but he hasn't been at his best this year. I think that's fair to say. So you kind of answered my next question a little bit about another defenseman that you guys have, a young guy, um, Travis Dermott, who for some reason seems to be like the darling of Leafs hockey analytics Twitter. Like they really, really push this guy as like the next amazing defenseman that's going to come out of Toronto. Is he actually, he's actually that good? Or Yeah, well, I mean... I, I don't think anyone's ever as good as they're they're hyped up to be, uh, you know, on, on Twitter or, or wherever else. But yeah, he's he's good. I mean, he's when he came up last year, he's got a lot of skill. Uh, you know, he he is a guy that, uh, you know, maybe I got to pick my words carefully here. I was going to say reminds you a little bit of a young Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. He, he's not at that level in terms of, of where he's projected to to wind up. Um, but this this is absolutely looks like a kid who could play regular top four. He's he's young. He makes mistakes. Uh, he, you know, he he occasionally is is not in the right spot or, or takes a chance he shouldn't take. And uh, 
that can be tough when Mike Babcock is your coach. Uh, he's not always the uh, a guy who is the most forgiving of, of that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I like this kid a lot, and uh, you know, you, it's it's always hard to project, especially with the young defenseman. He could he could go in any number of directions, but uh, you know, if analytics aside, just just the eye test shows yeah. you that, that you know he he'll, he'll do one or two special things every game, and uh, you know, there, there's certain things where you can drill in the techniques and the positioning and all of that, but there's some things where just you need a certain level of skill to pull things off, and most guys can't do it, and, and this kid can. And, uh, you know, I think, I don't think it's unreasonable for Lee fans to be excited about where this guy could wind up. Hmm. Okay, um, the last thing I kind of want to ask you, um, so I think that fan bases have a tendency to get stuck inside, like, a an echo chamber bubble, where, you know, everyone's saying the same thing, we're all repeating the same stuff, we're talking about the same stuff. And right now with the Flyers, um, it's a lot of apathy and, and negative feelings towards the team, the front office, pretty much everything. And I'm just curious what someone who pays a lot of attention to hockey, who's completely outside this little bubble of ours, what is your impression of the Flyers right now? I mean, I, I like the roster a lot. Yeah. I still do. Uh, you know, I, I, you look down that list and you're you're just like, oh, I'd like to have that guy on our team. <laughs> I'd like that guy, that guy too, you know, the young defense uh, particularly. Goaltending is obviously an issue, and you know I know I'm not I'm not saying anything that any Flyer fan hasn't said. I'm not completely sold on the coaching. Yeah. You know, at this point, uh, especially given how we're kind of seeing all the turnover this year, I, I will never sit here and say I want to see somebody lose their job. I will never root for that, but I do wonder. Uh, and and you know I I've been I've been fascinated to watch Ron Hextel as a GM. Uh, just because I grew up watching Ron Hextel as a player. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Ron Hextel, the player, was the last guy that you would ever call patient or <laughs> calm or, you know, steady. Uh, he was the most impulsive player in the league, uh, and that served him really well in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. And to see him as a GM kind of evolve into this very patient guy, doesn't really make big trades, doesn't, you know, even in the years where they're not so good, doesn't do the big sell-off in the years where they're uh, they're better. Doesn't do the big rental. Uh, he's been patient with his coach. At some point, I just wonder when the patience yeah. has to wear off, one way or another. Whether it's a coach, whether it's a trade, whether it's something. Um, you know, I know you're Ron Hexel. I know you're a franchise legend. I know you've paid your certainly paid your dues to, to get to this spot. You're gonna get some rope, probably more rope than a lot of uh, GMs would get. But at some point, you know, you, you gotta. Just, just staying the course isn't going to get it done. And, and so far this year with the Flyers, clearly it's not getting it done. I still like the team a lot. I, it wouldn't shock me at all to see them flip the switch, turn around, and be much better. I mean, I, I would, I would. If it, it, I, there's not a lot of optimism I sense from Philadelphia fans, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe there should be a bit more. But at the same time, we can all read the standings, yeah. and you, you you start to fall back out of that playoff race. You get to December and you're six or eight points out of the playoffs. It it takes more than a hot streak. Yeah. Uh, to get back in, it takes it takes something real big. And um, clearly, I think when you look at the level of, of talent on this team, if they don't make the playoffs this year, that has to be viewed as as just a, an enormous failure. And it's and it's got to be one that uh, would necessitate some major changes. And and if that's the direction you're headed in. Maybe some of those changes need to happen during the season so you at least have a chance to salvage something or at least get some momentum going as you head into what would be a crucial year next year. Yeah. 
I think that's what's so frustrating is that it is a talented team. We all see the talent on the team, and they're just not performing. And, yeah. So, nice to know that we're not crazy. And outside of the bubble, you guys are seeing it, too. But um, before I let you go, you want to take a shot in the dark, stab at how you see this game ending up? You know what? It's, uh, yeah. This is a weird one because uh, with the with the holiday, everyone's kind of playing on Friday, so it's those mm-hmm. that back to back games, and, and you know we don't know what the match. This could be a Garrett Sparks game. Uh, I'll pick the Leafs. Okay. I think the Leafs are a better team. Uh, I think uh, you know that's they're they're not. Um, they, they were rolling until until they ran into Carolina this week. So um, you know I'll, I'll pick them. Do I get do I pick score too? Is that uh, if you want to? Let's go. Let's make it a good game. Let's go 4-3 Maple Leafs. Ooh, that does sound like a fun one. Yeah, I feel like, you know, that's, I mean, four you know, four goals on Flyers goaltending, that seems about right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, uh, you know, I, I could see some of that offense waking up, too. Yeah, so um, I'll just throw, I, I'm picking the Leafs as well, just because I think the Flyers are hitting a skid that, after the Leafs game, might end up in some of these changes that you're talking about. Um, it's not good right now, so I'm going to pick Leafs. And I'm going to be a lot more doom and gloom about it and say 5-1 Leafs. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I am right now. But um, once again, Sean McAdoo, thanks so much for doing this. You can find him on theathletic.com, and you can also find his book, The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. Bookstores, Amazon, anywhere you buy books, it's really good. Check it out. Um, Sean, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. All right. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.